Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Shepard, along with my good friend, best friend, longtime friend, Artemis Brower. Artie, you good, good, good. I'm more than just a friend of the podcast. Definitely, definitely more than that. I mean, this is a man that one of my I, I couldn't pick just one best man, so I, I had a one A and one B. He was right there. Uh, one of my groomsmen. Uh, also, I mean, he's the godfather to my daughter. So the godfather, the godfather. On it, on it. But I'm good, though, brother. I'm good, man. I'm happy to uh, happy to be here with you. Do another episode. Uh, we we keep plugging these things out. Keep chugging along, even in a ter- tumultuous and 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 down year, especially for football. We're just begging for baseball and basketball to start at this point. But uh, hey, we're here. We're gonna get the people what we want. Hey, I mean, we're we're doing the damn thing, and Artie, it's so nice to be back here for episode one sixty nine. So nice, the nicest of nice. <laughs> episode one sixty nine. Yes, sir. You got sixty nine for me. I do have a sixty nine, and uh, look, I've been doing big uglies the whole the whole time. I'm not going to switch up now. All right, we're just going. We're going to finish the season off with with another big ugly. This is a guy I actually like watched growing up. You know, especially growing up in North Carolina, played for the Panthers, long time offensive lineman for the Panthers. Probably going to be in the Panthers Hall of Fame if he's not already. I don't know if he's already in the Panthers Hall of Fame, uh, but that is one Jordan Gross. Uh, played 167 games from 2003 to 2013. Uh, Three time Pro Bowl selection, 2008 first team All Pro. One of the absolute uh, gems uh, for the Panthers for a solid decade plus, and uh, just a consummate pro, good dude. We definitely watched him a lot. You know those Jake Delone teams with Steve Smith when they made that Super Bowl run. Um, he was on that team. So uh, shout out to Jordan Gross, and uh, yeah, that's my sixty-nine for the week. Good one. That's a nice pick. I, I honestly, when you first started talking, I thought you were gonna go uh, Jared Allen. I, I, I think I did Jared Allen for the original 69. I think that's, that's what I did for the original. That's a good one. That's a good one. Artie, did you know the number 69 has only been worn in the NBA and NHL twice? And when I say NBA and NHL, it's only been worn in the NHL twice. The NBA, there's never been a player to wear the number 69. Uh, people, wow. that I think there's an unwritten rule that the number 69 is is uh, is banned. And the NBA for for reasons. We're a family podcast here, um, but the the nicest of numbers. Uh, I'm going to go Andrew DeHarnay. Uh, play. I believe he played for the San Jose Sharks. Uh, he he's one of the two players to wear the number 69 in the NHL. So that's going to be mine. Uh, Artie, let let's get right into it. So. ECU showed some life early on against yeah. San Antonio. Yeah, they, they they like to play with our emotions down there in San Antonio. And it started off great. Like going into halftime, I was like, all right, this ain't this ain't too bad. Like we're we're hanging in there, right? Um, and then the, the second half started and it was just kind of a, a dull game, right? Like, yeah, going into uh halftime like you're you're down a little bit what you're down what 31 to 20 31 20 um, yeah that's for the first half and, and then the second half it was defense kind of took over right um on both sides i mean a, to- a total of 17 points scored on, in the second half after both teams scored uh 17 points in at least one quarter of the first half so uh Artie, like looking at this, looking at this offense, let's just start there. The like I said, the offense showed glimpses of hope. And one thing I point to is, and we'll talk about Alex Flynn and, and his numbers in a little bit, but it showed hope that hey, this is what happens when you have some somebody that's in there and in, in there for every play. Uh, did Mason Garcia, uh, I was watching from a bar. I was half drunk. Sorry. 
uh, for my late tweets. I don't know what was going on with my phone. Did Mason Garcia? I, I don't recall seeing him get in, even get into the game. He he did play. It was very limited. I, I know he he had got in. I think for one play in the first quarter or second quarter. I know it was in the first half where he took a snap. And I don't I don't remember another play. I'm sure he had a, a couple of plays in that in that game, uh, but it wasn't memorable, right? It wasn't like he came in and played and you you remember it. So. He he doesn't show up on the stat sheet. So no, I don't see him showing up for any rushes or any passes. Yeah. So, I mean, just to have a guy like Alex Flynn, who, I mean, finally played in, in, in pretty much played the whole game, right? Like, and he put together a game. Yeah. Was it the prettiest thing? No. Threw a pick. Okay. Yeah. Um, other than that, like 225 yards passing, that's gotta be. I don't have the stats right in front of me, but that's got to be like the highest that we've had almost all season outside of Gardner Webb. Yeah. So, um, and then the rushing game, we we had some success rushing, but not a ton of success rushing. But ne- neither did UTSA, right? You, you look at it, and EC was in that ball game the entire time, just like they've been in every ball game this year. It seems like they haven't gotten blown out. The defense has had a bend but don't break mentality and they've kept ECU in ball games to where if the offense was competent enough, we're probably looking at a completely different team. Are we four and in the conference? No, but we're probably looking at three or four wins right now. If the offense was somewhat competent, we're looking at at least three or four wins. And I would take that any day of the week. I would take four and four over one and seven any day of the week. This season cannot end fast enough for EC football. Yeah. It's it's a wash at this point, right? The season is a wash. Now it's about what what can we build on? What can we see? Who are some players that we know can come back next year and be a factor? I think that's got to be what the, the what the mindset is of the coaches, at least. Like, okay, we got to we got to see who can play, who can play, who can't, who's going to be back here next year. That's going to you know give us the best chance of winning. At this point in the season, that is where we are as a program, sitting at one and seven. Um, the only bad thing or caveat that I say to to what you said is, you know, it's too late for close enough, right? A lot of times we come on here, we talk about ECU's right there, ECU's in these games. We're so close. This is year five for, for Mike Houston. The, the close enough is, is is not good enough. It's just not good enough. We should not be having conversations about close enough. We should be finishing the deal. We should be able to put together a product. If we're, if we're close enough, at this point in his tenure, we should have a product that can go out there and win these football games. Outside of the Gardner-Webb game, which I'm not even going to count because I was against an FCS opponent, our offense actually, for the first time all season, looked like they belonged on a field with another FBS opponent. It took eight weeks, but for the first time all season, we actually looked like we should be on the field up against another FBS opponent. Um, Alex Flynn, you know, obviously they gave him the reins. They let him play the whole game. He did put together his best game of the season, um, you know, against obviously an, an FBS opponent um, with 225, two touchdowns. He did have an interception. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll break down Alex Flynn's performance and what he's got going on for him in a minute, but He's not supposed to be in the game anyway, if we're, if we're really being honest. At least that's what we thought, right? I mean, Alex Flynn's supposed to be on the sidelines with a clipboard, you know, <laughs> calling in plays and, and helping on the sidelines. Then that's no shot at Alex Flynn, but that's just what we thought the quarterback situation was going to be. We thought it was going to be Mason Garcia. We thought he was going to be the guy. And now he's relegated on the sidelines, not even making an impact on the game. So um, it's it's been a weird year. It's been obviously a down year. The defense definitely took a half off. This this past weekend, they, I know they had to pick six, but they definitely took a half off. They came back out in the second half, tried to give us a shot, give us give us a chance there. But that was a weird game for the defense. They're not going to go twelve games playing playing great defense. It's not going to happen. They're going to have a game or two where they're going to have a down game. That's just going to happen. Um, but sitting at one and seven, I think the goal now is who can play, who can't play. Who we're gonna bring back next year is gonna be an actual impact for this team. To me, I, I got a Dion mentality at, at, at this point. 
If you can't play, don't be East Carolina. If, if you're not helping us win ball games, y'all, you guys can hit the transfer portal, portal, hit the door. Let's bring in some guys to help us win football games. I really do have a Dion mentality. Like, let's figure out who can we bring back next year that's going to put this team in a position to win and who needs to go. Yeah. I mean, that's the mentality you have to have now. In the, in the days of the NIL and the transfer portal, you have to have that kind of mentality mentality that mindset right you've got to be able to say okay we've got to whoever isn't performing or doing what we need them to do all right um thank you for your service but don't let the door hit you where the good lord split you like at the end of the day that, that that's what it is it's a business now it's it is a hundred percent of business 100 percent business now yeah and with the NIL and with the transfer portal, these student athletes have to know, hey, if you don't perform, see ya. And with that being said, like I I, I would say you got four games left. Raheem Jeter has played in one game. He has three games left to be able to play in before he burns his red shirt. Yeah. In my opinion, Artie, after this week against Tulane, the following three games, hand it over, hand the reins over. Let's see what he does. Let's see what he's got. It's sitting at one and seven. You're not going to a bowl game. You're going home. You're going home. Let's see what the kid got. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see what he can play. I mean, you're going to have to bring in a quarterback in the transfer portal next year. I I think Alex Flynn's done after this year. Yeah. Yeah. It would not surprise me if, if Mason Garcia, I, I mean, he may still be here. I don't know. I don't know who's going to take him at the FBS level. I, I don't know, but well, I say all that to say, give him a shot, right? Like what, what are you losing? You're not losing anything. Guys that haven't been able to play, there shouldn't be anybody on this team that hasn't been able to play because this team has been dog shit all year. So they should have been able to at least play. Yeah. Right? Let let's let's get our best dudes out there. See what uh, you got on the death chart. Now, definitely sucks. I mean, the, the pirates have battled through injuries, right? Yeah. Pirates have battled through injuries. Shane Calhoun out for the season. Tegan Wilt out for the season. Javius Bond out indefinitely. That's a whole nother story. I mean, why is honestly your best running back this year? Uh, why is he playing special teams on kickoffs and then had a non-contact injury <laughs> in the back of the end zone after a ki- after a touchback? Like you don't love to see that, right? Obviously, but the Pirates are a few pieces away. We saw it, Jalen Johnson, Chase Sowell. Those guys put together a game. Yeah. Those guys showed, okay, they can be competitive and play. I mean, we've been saying this about Chase Sowell all year long. But Jalen Johnson finally kind of said, I'm I'm here. Yeah. This past weekend. Um, So, all that being said, you're an offensive line and a quarterback away from being a pretty damn a pretty decent team. I wasn't. I was about to say pretty damn good. I don't know with how much you lost this past year. If you were ever going to be a pretty damn good team, yeah. But you're you could have been a pretty decent team and at least made a bowl, right? Um, now you have nothing to lose. Go out there and earn your spot for next year. Go out there and earn your spot, like and. The coaching staff—that's what they should be doing. Using the next four weeks, these these next four weeks are live game reps for the next for the next guys, right? And now, do I think Mike Houston and, and staff will let some of these guys on the field? I don't know. I, I don't know. But like anybody that has a shot next year to be to make a name for themselves should be getting game time this year. And if they don't do that, we're going to run into an issue where we're seeing next year, oh, we still don't have somebody ready. 
So that, that, that's my take, Artie. Uh, I mean, the good, we'll do good, bad, and ugly. Good, I mean, offense in the first half. Offense in the first half was pretty good. Not, not going to say pretty damn good. They were pretty good. They were not mediocre. They were good. Okay. They were okay. There. They, they were okay. The offense was okay in the first half. Um, no, I mean, look, you, they put up 20 in the first half. That's, 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 that's really good. Right. And you're on, you're on pace. You're on pace to drop 40. That's a great game. We didn't, but. Yeah. I mean, wasn't the, I mean, the pick six was in the first half, wasn't it? So. Okay. Yeah. So. I mean. 13. So a touchdown and two field goals, but you know. So, I mean, overall, I mean, offense, offense was better, right? Um, other than that, I don't, I mean, we, we opened up the playbook a little bit, right? Like we, we opened up the offensive playbook and we were willing to throw it downfield a little bit more than we have in the past. Did we still throw the, the screen play and lose a yard every couple plays? Yep. You bet your ass we did. That's Donnie Kirkpatrick football. Okay. Look. When we threw it downfield, we knew that they they could be exposed at times over the top, and we exposed them. Okay, that that that's the good. The bad. The first time that our offense decided to play well, our defense laid an egg in the first half. If you go into the halftime and you're up twenty-one to seven, twenty-one to ten. You're feeling pretty damn good about yourself. But ECU didn't do that, right? Um, San Antonio was able to hang in the game in the first half. When ECU had had the chance on defense to do what they've done all year and and stop teams. Yeah. But it, it wasn't like it wasn't like we were getting beat just like they were running it down our throats and and these long sustained drives. It was all the big plays. And that's what's killed ECU at times over the last three or four years is the big play. If ECU can figure out how to cut out the big play, they'd be they'd be okay. They they that the defense would be go from being very good to great if they can figure out how to eliminate those big plays that happen two or three times a game. There's 30, 40 yard chunk plays. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I would concur. I mean, I, I just ECU to me, and in, in, in typical ECU fashion, we play up to our competition, we play down in competition. You look at the Charlotte game. We had more yards in the first quarter against San Antonio than we did the entire game against Charlotte, the entire game against Charlotte. That was homecoming, at home, right? So we played down to our competition in Charlotte, we lost. We played up to our competition San Antonio, we lost. So the problem now is ECU is playing up to the competition and down the competition, but we're losing either way. And and that is something that's got to get shored up right away to not come up with, with, with the energy. Because now it's like, you you look at that Charlotte loss, you're like, man, like how the hell did we lose to Charlotte at home 10-7 to 7, if we can go into San Antonio a team that's still competing for a conference championship and do what we did in San Antonio in the first half. So it's, it's, it's mind boggling at times. Um, you say open up the playbook. Is that what it takes? It, it, it takes us damn near being 0 and 8 to start opening up the playbook. Is that, is, is that really where we have to be to start actually play calling? Uh, so, you know, I, I, I but I, I agree with everything you said. I, I concur. I don't really have much to add on that. So. Yeah. And then, I mean, Lastly, the ugly. <laughs> as good as Alex Flynn, as okay as Alex Flynn was uh, this past week, he's now ranked dead last among eligible FBS quarterbacks in passing efficiency and touchdowns. ECU had their first two wide receiver reception touchdowns of the season this week. And one of them was in garbage time. 
hey, but ECU covered. <laughs> That's basically an ECU victory, right? ECU covers. That's basically a victory. Hey, what's the cliche? Good teams win. Great teams cover. Oh, I feel like I've said that a lot over the past couple of years. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Um, but And then Rajay Harris. I don't think anybody saw this coming. I mean, last qualifying player in total touchdowns in FPS. He's 136 out of 136. Yeah. I mean, that's – and that's not a knock on Rajay. I know he's, he's coming off the ACL tear. Yeah. Jared, a running back can only be as good as his offensive line. And his offensive line is – you, you could probably throw cardboard boxes out there on the offensive line and, and they'd be better than, than what if, we're doing. If you got a bad old line – and look, Roger Harris, you know, he, he's not he's not Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders is the only running back in history that could that could still put up over 1,000 yards with a bad old line. All right? No, nobody else is doing that with a bad old line. So you can only be as good as your old line. Yeah, so – it sucks, but who knows? And it's we're we're gonna see. Hopefully, we see this team continue to mature, so that way they. All right, this season, wash it. Try to squeak out another win or two. Start figuring out the offense for next year. Defense is going to remain largely intact. So try figuring that out, right? Um, and if you do that, you should be looking pretty good next year going in, into this into the season. If you can shore up offensive play calling, the offensive line, and figure out what you're doing at quarterback, I think, I think you're going to be okay going into next year. This team can turn it around pretty quickly. They, there's potential there but first and foremost figure out the offensive line and figure out quarterback that's the must also pack Donnie's bags and kick him out of Greenville next year is going to be some pressure man and look there's not going to be a lot of expectations on this ECU football program because of this year but man the pressure that is going to be on this coaching staff and this team for next year the the expectation for for ECU next year and for the fan base remains the same right every year at ECU you every year at ECU you are going to say okay we have a shot we should be the best team on the field every every damn week that that should be the mentality that you have at East Carolina we're better than them. But you got to go out there and show it. And it starts from the top down. The coaches, then the players, and the fan base. We got to be better. Yeah. But really, the coaches and the players, the fan base is there. I mean, ECU, for being a 1-7 football team, I believe has the number two attendance in all of the group of five. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's that's crazy. And look, those those numbers are, are, are padded a little bit, but still. But all, all numbers are padded. But Artie, enough about UTSA. We're gonna we're gonna roll it over. We got a longtime friend of the podcast joining us, former ECU baseball play by play voice. And the voice of the Tulane Green Wave, our good friend, food aficionado, Taco Bell aficionado, <laughs> Corey Glore. Corey, welcome to the Boneyard Podcast yet again, my friend. How you doing? The the graphic design that just happened, the guest segment graphic design was yeah. just, it, it enthralled me. I need <laughs> more. What production design you guys have now here? You guys have graduated. Hey, we, we got Josh on the sticks behind the scenes. Yep. Shout out, Josh. We're uh we're graduating. We're we're trying to be a little more uh uppity, you know, like right. We're, a, little, we're a little more bougie on the on the Boneyard podcast. That's that's the term. You're getting bougie at Boneyard podcast. Corey, how's how's it been, man? 
everything good? It's good. It's good. It temperature dropped like a rock here, which I think it did in a lot of places. So uh, I'm trying to make sure my body doesn't freak out on me before we start basketball next week too. So but outside of that, things have been, things have been great. Can't complain. For sure. Well, Corey, I mean, it just came out yesterday, Tulane, highest ranked G5 team in the college football playoff rankings. Coming into Dowdy this weekend, I mean, Willie Fritz has this team still going. Talk to us about, about the Green Wave. Well, it's, I mean, the, the record's the record, and that now that the ranking is the ranking, and they have certainly earned that spot right now. I know there's been some consternation about Air Force here being one spot behind, but the, the committee has liked the schedule that Tulane has played. They, they liked the win at Memphis uh, on a national stage. They knew that the starting quarterback didn't play against Ole Miss, and Ole Miss is number 10 in their rankings, and so... So that's why they're where they are right now. Uh, you know, seven and one is seven and one. And it's it's right now people here are kind of in the, um, all right, let's find what the flaws are right now because we, we know what's possible. We just saw what's possible last year. And now the chance of doing this again is, is pretty strong. So, you know, the last couple of weeks have been wins, but they've been much closer than I think this team would have liked. This offense can still attack you in a bunch of different ways. And, and Michael Pratt has, now that he's healthy, has become the, the quarterback that we all expected him to be here this year. This team has a running game now. It took a few weeks to find, but Makai Hughes has emerged in that category. And defensively, teams don't run on this club at all. Only one team's rushed for over 100 yards this year against this defense. And so they make teams one-dimensional. And that has been very successful this year. The problems that have come in the last couple of weeks have been these real dips in the second half that allowed North Texas to climb back in, that allowed Rice to climb back in last week. And that's been a huge point of focus heading into this week, is that if you have a lead at halftime, even if you don't have a lead at halftime, they didn't have a lead at Memphis at halftime a couple of weeks ago, but there was a dip to start the second half. You have to come out better to begin the third quarter because it's been pretty close to abysmal in the last couple of weeks here, their third quarters. And so really they've been dominating teams in the first half this year. It's been the second half here in conference play that has allowed teams to climb back in. They've had to win it at the end now. And they know now with the playoff ranking where it is, there is some debate about whether or not they should belong where they are above air force. And all these games are on national TV for this club that they have to start looking the part now. And so that's, I think that's the main message heading into this week is that if you have a lead, build it. And if you have an opportunity to win this game, win it right away, because a lot of folks are curious as to Tulane kind of falling apart here late in games. Now, Corey, I want to ask you this, because, you know, at this point in the season, you know, the conference, at least the American, it's kind of a five-team race, at least with teams that can still compete for a conference championship. You know, you got Tulane. You got SMU, you got UTSA, you got Memphis, and you got Florida Atlantic kind of at the top, separated themselves from everybody else. They still have a chance, you know, to play for a conference championship. Of those teams, who would you not want to see against Tulane in a conference championship? You know, it's we've already seen Memphis. Um, you know, I, I like how this team defensively handled Seth Hennigan and that offense. We, you know, we see FAU in a couple of weeks. We see UTSA to end the year. And so we really don't have a ton of up-close experience with any of the other contenders right now. SMU's not on the schedule. And, and so I, I think what what Preston Stone is for SMU as a quarterback, he, he looks a lot like Pratt and how he runs that offense. And that defense has been so good this year. I would throw out there that SMU's schedule has not been the strongest and the teams that they've seen that have been real quality they've lost to in non-conference and so SMU has a very clear alleyway to the conference championship because they don't see us they don't see UTSA they I believe they've already seen Florida Atlantic uh, and they see Memphis in a couple of weeks so they don't they don't see the other teams that are unbeaten right now in the conference um, and so it's pretty clear that they have the clearest path to get to the conference championship game. Um, the, the way Tulane handled Memphis, I, I like my chances against them again. What Frank Harris is now that he's back healthy for UTSA and that really 
aggressive defense. They can make some mistakes. They can blow some things, but boy, can they get to you and they will hit you. Um, it's a wildly dangerous team. And, and I think the league is hoping that that last Friday of the year will matter in, in the conference race. when we host them here. Um, you know, we see FAU, I, 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 they're a weird team. I, I'm not sure I put them in the contender group right now, even though they're three and one. Um, but I don't know if that answered your question, but there are three teams at four and oh, right. And all three of them, I think are pretty clearly, at 4-0 for a reason. And so it's, you know, we see one of them to close out the year. That might be a way and an end to the championship, but Tulane's got to do their part in the next three weeks to even have that matter. Yeah, for sure. And we, we talk about kind of this crazy rise of, of Tulane, right, over the last two years, right? Like before last year, I don't think anybody would have seen this kind of run by the green wave. You've been you've been right there for in a front row seat. What is going on down there in New Orleans? What what's what's in the what water? What's going on here? <laughs> like, how do we get some of that in Greenville? You yeah. know, I, I've 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 talked to some Greenville folks uh, even today, uh, some Greenville media, in fact. Um, and this has been the, I've been asked this question now a couple of times. Um, and what my answer is, it can be long-winded, but I'm long-winded. You've had me on the show before. Um, <laughs> after after the, the 2021 year, which was 2-10, and 10, um, there was not a bloodletting of people fleeing this program. It was the first year that Willie Fritz had that you could qual- call bad. Like, I mean, and it was awful. And so there was no fire around him. I think there was probably a little bit of pressure about the following year to make sure that that didn't happen again. But with, with the hurricane at the start of the year and living in Birmingham for a month and, and not having locker rooms or training rooms or anything like that, um, there was a sense that a lot of that year felt outside of their control. And But the biggest part of that was that because of the program that was built, um, there was a desire to stay. And so the, the, the guys that were sophomores, juniors, that, that were being leaned on as leaders of that team, even fourth-year guys, kept around. They, they didn't go elsewhere. And this is not me bemoaning the transfer portal. Tulane has worked wonders in the transfer portal, and a lot of this team this year is from the transfer portal. But there, there was an understanding from the key leaders of 2021, Michael Pratt, Tajay Spears, Doreen Williams, Nick Anderson, those, those core four, Sincere Hainsworth, who's the center, um, they, they got together right after that year ended, and they all made the decision that that wasn't going to be the mark that they left on that program, that they all came there for a reason, that Willie Fritz believed in them for a reason, and that was not how they were going to go out. And so they rallied that program. They kept a lot of people here. They made everybody kind of see what they were thinking and and believe it. And the recruiting class stayed intact in part because of that. You know, you brought in a couple of guys who wanted to be key contributors in the transfer portal, Lawrence Keyes, Jarius Monroe, who are big parts of this year's team. They came in that year. But it goes to Willie Fritz. and, And he created an operation that people don't haven't wanted to leave, even after a bad, awful year. And so that led for a massive push by those that were around to make up for it. And there was an honest core belief that they were capable of a heck of a lot better than what happened that year. 12 and two in a cotton bowl was outside of a lot of people's imaginations. And I I think pretty much everybody's, but they started that year talking about conference championship. And a lot of people thought they were nuts. Um, I saw a bull team out of that team and I was wrong. I mean, it was clearly more than that. Um, so it, it speaks to, you know, and I know you're asking this because of what's happening at East Carolina right now. Um, it starts with if the foundation is built solidly and properly, then the framework can handle the, the storms that come. And so now ECU is, you know, that the foundation with, with Mike Houston there is built. Does the framework on top of it, do the leaders in that program, the veteran leadership, and there was a lot lost from last year, but the current members of that team who see themselves as leaders, do they want to keep building on that? 
or do they want to go elsewhere? That's the decision that's probably going to come here for a lot of the guys in that locker room. Um, the decision was made here two years ago to stay and rebuild, and it happened very quickly. It can, if it can happen here, it, and a Tulane, which is a bear to recruit at, then it can happen at a place like East Carolina. But it's up to the people in that locker room to decide the path they want to move forward next. There's no right or wrong answer to what they do, mm-hmm. but they have the decision to make. That's a, that's sure. an extremely good point. I, I like that perspective. And and speaking of, you know, 7-1 Tulane, 4-0 in the conference, right? I mean, obviously when you're at this point in the season, you're doing a lot of things right. But what are some things that Tulane does need to fix right away if they do want to get back to a New Year's Six Bowl game for the second straight year? Well, I, I touched on it a little bit, and this is where I'll bring up the last three games. Tulane's been outscored in the third quarter 42-14. to And they – they were trailing at Memphis. They let them score a touchdown the opening drive of the second half, trailed by 11, came back to win. Then North Texas, they were up 21 with four minutes left in the third. They gave up three touchdowns in the third quarter, and then North Texas scored in the fourth. It was a tie game. And then Rice, they were up 20 at halftime. It was a two-point game when things were all said and done. Uh, th- this team has crushed opponents in the first quarter. Well, I got the my handy chart here. Where's my number? I don't know everything uh, off <laughs> the top of my head. But first quarter this year, 72 to 17 is the differential in favor wow. of two. Um, and the, the fourth, the third quarters have been the exact opposite. Um, and so it's that they have to play a full 60 minutes of football. I mean, just put that cliche out there because there really hasn't been a game in which I think Willie Fritz has felt that that has happened. Um, you know, even in the, you know, the, the win over Nichols, an FCS team, it took a while to get that started. They turned the ball over a ton in that game. Like the South Alabama game was closest, but that was week one. And then Pratt got injured and then things started to get a little bit weird. So th- there hasn't been a full 60 minute game from this team. It's, speaks to high how quality that they are that they are seven and one and they haven't always looked solid for a lot of these games that they've had the veteran leadership and the knowledge that they can win games at the end which they've had to do the last two weeks um and that's what a fourth year starting quarterback can do for you um but th- there's got to be a, a real drive to see the first minute through the 60th minute all at the level that they know that they're capable of playing. It's been, the reactions have been, they've been kind of annoyed after these games here of late because they know they haven't been playing great for some stretches here, even though they've won. And so uh, that's the message now heading into this week, that if you have a chance to put your foot on the throat, you better do it because people are really watching now. And you got some angry people in Colorado that are very much watching. So it's uh, you, you got to actually really, really look the part for the next four weeks here. And maybe there's a fifth week after that. For sure. Yeah. And and that's all, all of that. I mean, it just thinking about this team in this conference. I mean, it really has shown that the American is still seen as the top of the top when it comes to group of five what are your thoughts on, on the new group of, or new american with, without houston without cincinnati without um ucf you know i i think i think it got a little deeper uh, i'll be honest because you know U, utsa is now looking like the team that we thought they were going to be now that they're back healthy um to have you know, I don't think ECU sees North Texas. You don't. Um, but that team was actually really impressive to watch, especially offensively. Rice is pretty good. Um, and I think that's a bold team there. But uh, And FAU, as we talked about, is in the mix right now with a month to go with Tom Herman leading the way. Um, so I think that it provided depth in this league where maybe it didn't quite feel like it before. Um, and now you look at what the three teams who left are doing in the Big 12, and the answer is they aren't doing a thing. Um, they're, they're getting just crushed in the Big 12 right now. So, I mean, th- that'll change. They will evolve, and they will settle in here. Um, I'm a little shocked at how bad UCF has looked, admittedly, here in the Big 12 um, after they nearly won the league last year. But, uh, you know, I, it's a 
it's a pretty good league. Like it's a deeper league than I think people realize. And, and the fact that it doesn't have the name clout anymore of a Cincinnati or a Houston or even a UCF, I think it's shown that maybe that doesn't matter as much, certainly to the committee with what happened yesterday, um, that, that the American is still at the top of the heap at this level of, of football. Um, and it, when you look around the, the table here, I think you see a lot of really quality teams that a lot of them have used the portal to their advantage really well. And that has helped build this league really, really, uh, really downward in my mind, where you can you can point to eight teams that are pretty quality clubs right now. Well, Corey, coming back to Greenville this this weekend, right, what are some of the things that you're most excited to do while in town? And who are some of the people you're most excited to see while you're in Greenville? Uh, I'm going to be locked in my hotel room. I'm not leaving. Okay. Uh, I'm, as soon as I land, I'm get, I'm going to fall asleep. <laughs> I sleep for 15 hours, and then I will go to the ballpark and uh, do the broadcast. No, uh, I mean, when's the last time I was in Greenville? Um, probably baseball season this past spring. I mean, I, there there will be a, a table at tiebreakers calling my name with a bunch of folks that I haven't seen in months. There's a there's a Malcolm Gray in there who I've been talking to for the last couple of weeks. Nice. Uh, he handed me, I, I got his wonderful game notes right here that I've been using to prep for here. Um, there's a, there's a, a, there's a Scooter Rogers uh, voice of two yep. uh, of East Carolina baseball oh, that I'll be seeing. There's a Kyle Gaskins from the ECU video department and uh uh, who else? Uh, Sam Taylor, who's been a, a great friend of mine over the years, and Rob Taylor. Uh, Sam Taylor is spotting in the booth for me on Saturday, so he's going to have to be somewhat neutral and take off his pirate hat on Saturday. Um, so, yeah, and then, you know, whoever comes walking in, whoever I hear from, whoever I, I shout to, I, I mean, I have such great friends still in that city. Um, and so I'm looking forward to a Friday night of just sitting around having a few adult beverages and exchanging some stories, and then what's shaping up to be a rather beautiful-looking weather day on Saturday for this game. Yeah, And I know that in spite of what the season has been, there will be plenty of folks at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. And, um, yeah, I mean, you, you can't beat that. I, I've called one game there before. It was awful on my end of things and two years ago. Um, but I, I know the passion that still exists there, and uh, I'm looking forward to – being a part of a, a, another weekend like this in Greenville. Yeah, I, I can't say that it'll be a beautiful game from, from our perspective. Beautiful weather, but not a beautiful game, probably from our perspective. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it's – yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm writing nothing in Sharpie about anything moving forward here. Not, not in this – even with how things have gone for ECU, even how things have gone for Tulane, I, I think a, a glance around college football right now shows that there's – the, the, you don't have the clear one, right? Like you're seeing, you're seeing just like this American. I think you're seeing the the sport go deeper, and you're seeing a lot of good teams that um, maybe aren't getting the clout necessarily that can go up and do something here. Or you're seeing teams that have had rough years but put it together at the right time to to do something. Mm -hmm. um, and so yeah, like I, what ECU does well, Tulane does well on the other end it's going to be a strength on strength running the ball against ECU's rush defense like I mean that's Tulane wants to run ECU would prefer you not and they're very good at stopping that and so whatever happens there is going to dictate a lot this could be a huge a very low scoring game it wouldn't shock me in the least Tulane would love to put up 30 they might not have the opportunity to yeah. um and so yeah I, I think it was what we've seen this year from what we've seen with Tulane here in conference play, where they've been nail biters, um, and from what we've seen of late from ECU, um, th there's nothing to, to put in frame right now about the results of this one. There are plenty of reasons why ECU can come out and win this game. For sure. And appreciate you saying that, even even if you don't, don't mean it. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I mean it. I totally mean it. Like, uh, I, I got Stuff right, I got this stuff right here. <laughs> we'll have trouble moving the ball on you. There's no question about it. Uh, Corey, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Um, everybody knows. I mean, we we lost a, another friend of the podcast, Jeff Charles, th this past year. At, 
a basketball game at Tulane. Um, and during, during the search, I'd be, I've always wondered, and you can answer this if you want to, if not, was there ever any interest in, in coming back to, to Greenville to be, be part of that again? Yeah. Uh, I'd be lying if I said that there wasn't, I mean, just with, with my time there, um, with the relationships I made there, with, with how the fans seem to most, you know, by and large seem to like what I do. There will always be fans that don't, but that's part of the job. Um, yeah, of course, uh, of course, there was a little bit of interest there. Uh, it was, it, it came down to, um, I'm in a position right now that I'm wildly happy to be in um, at a place that has taken me in and has really supported me uh, and in a city that I love being in. And so just where I am personally, uh, I'm in a great spot. And and when I was kind of weighing everything, uh, it, it really came down to that. Like, I'm really happy where I am and what I'm doing here at Tulane. Um, and so it, that that was the decider. And so it's, you know, with what I did in Greenville, of course, there was a little bit of interest in it. There's no question about it. But um, Tulane took a chance on me a few years ago when I probably wasn't the, the experienced guy to go after. I didn't have the resume. Um, I just had ECU baseball. That, that was what I had. But I took a chance on me to call three sports to host a show to host events here on campus and and be a little bit of a, a face and a voice for this athletic department uh and, and for that uh, i will forever be indebted to them here um and they have treated me unbelievably over the now three years that i've been here so it, it came down to that just as, as personally professionally uh, i i'm in a very very good spot and i didn't i wasn't ready to leave it yeah, and, and I, I totally get that, and, and I'm very happy that you're happy. We When we say friend of the podcast, we mean it, um, so yes. we're, we're happy that you're happy. Um, would have loved to see you back in, in the purple and gold and in Greenville uh, every week of, of the season, but um, Corey, last question for me. You, got, you, you talked about going to tiebreakers. You know our spot. We, we, go, to, we go to sup dogs every time we're in town. You gonna maybe hit a sub crush? Uh, maybe maybe get. I mean, I want to bad. Um, <laughs> so when uh, I actually told uh, the, the the conference cross country championships were there this past weekend, and I had the uh, the the cross country coach here. He reached out to me as like, "Where do I need to go in Greenville?" And I was like, "Well, first, like." you know, run a race and win it, please. And they did. The women won. Um, but then I said, uh, go to go to Sup Dogs and sit on the top deck if the weather's nice. Have yourself a, a Sup Crush and get, I mean, your choice of insane menu items that you can have there. But just enjoy. Just don't go past 830. Um, <laughs> Halloween, Halloween weekend too. A Halloween weekend, uh, and and, uh, and so that was my first recommendation to them. I don't believe they made it out, but I I might try here, depending on how much time I got Friday, um, when we when we arrive. Uh, I, I'm going to do my best to get out there and have myself a sub sub crush and got the bacon cheese fries and yeah. uh, <laughs> sounds fantastic. I'm hungry. All right, Corey. Well, thank you again for joining us on the Boneyard Podcast. Safe travels yes. up here to Greenville, and uh, we'll see you Saturday. Uh, are you guys at the game Saturday? Yes. Yes, we'll we'll be there. All right. Well, I'll, I'll be there bright and early on Saturday, so so maybe just maybe uh, we'll be able to see each other in person for a rare time. Yes, for sure. So. All, All right, right, Corey. Yeah. See you. Appreciate you. See you, man. Once again, that was Corey Glore from Tulane Athletics. Gosh, I mean, friend of the podcast. That is that is a true friend of the podcast. So, um, love always love talking to him. Always, Great. always makes time for us, man. We we love the the guys and the, and the women that always make time for us to come on here ne- to sit down with two goobers that that you know somewhat know what they're talking about. But to to make time for us, we we really do appreciate it. We got another one coming up in a couple weeks too. We got we'll have Pete. 
Friend of the podcast, Pete Methurst, coming on here in a couple of weeks. So. Hey, yes, yes. Love, always love, love always love talking to Pete. I know we're getting Courtney Layton on here, too. So uh, looking forward to that as well. For sure. Well, Artie, uh, I mean, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about on, on Tulane? I mean, we're. Yeah, look, this, this, this is the best team on the schedule. We, we know what they are. Uh, we know what their aspirations are for this year. This is a team that's trying to get back to a New Year's Six bowl game for the second straight year. Um, and, and, and look, Corey, you know, he was he was doing his best to, to to do his part, play his role. You know, this is in the game is fought in the trenches. It's going to can, can be a close game, and it maybe it will be for two or three quarters. But if if Tulane comes out and and plays the kind of football that they are capable of playing, this game will not be that close. Um, just looking to compete. In this game, really, you know, I'm not even really looking for a win. I mean, obviously looking for a win, but I'm a realistic kind of guy. I just want to compete in this game at home. Um, but if Tulane comes out and plays their best football, this is not going to be a close game. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's uh, let's go to walk the plank. Um, Artie, you got one? Ooh, walk the plank this week. I mean, outside of like the World Series sucking, I don't even know if I watched a single. This might be the first time in like a decade where I haven't watched a single game of the World Series because I just don't care about the Rangers or the. I think the Rangers up two one. Yeah, two one or three one. I don't even. Uh, know. I think it's three one now after last. Yeah, so they're, they're about to gentlemen sweep the Diamondbacks. Like, what a what a what a piss poor World Series. But outside of that, I'm not really mad at anything else. Uh. I had one and I, I thought about it all day long and now for whatever reason I can't think of it. Uh the one I will go with though, Artie, uh I don't know if you saw the clip of of Chris Broussard. Oh yeah, he dropped he dropped the R bomb on uh yeah, can't do that. And, yeah, and then he tried to I, I like Chris Broussard too. I, I think he's a good analyst. I like Chris. I liked him for a long time, but we can't be dropping the R the R word on, on live television. And, and then he tried to cover it up. Did did you see that part? Yeah, he said. Uh, what, did, what did he say? Um, he, he said something about I have a first cousin who is, or was mentally handicapped, and then it basically sounded like he. Like it, it's, because I had a family member that, that had this condition, I can say that. <laughs> and but then he said that he he started to say we put him, and then he said he's no. Basically, I'm paraphrasing. He's no longer with us. <laughs> this is not funny, but. It's not fun. It's not funny. But like, it's not funny. What what he said is not funny. But the way the scene, it's, 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 yes, it's the action to cover it up and apologize in real time. It's like, it's like that, come on, man. that's comical. Um, yes, just I mean, look, uh, it's, look, it's it's twenty twenty three. It's a part of being an adult, okay, and understanding. You know, there's just some things you can't say. Some things you can't say. You got to be kind. You got to be human. All right, we we all need to play our part in being decent human beings. You you just you, you can't say that for sure. All right. Let's do gambling corner and get the hell out of here, Artie. Let's do it. Uh, first up, Washington at Southern Cal. Southern Cal's a three and a half point dog at home. Is Lincoln Riley a fraud? I don't know. I take him any day over Donnie Kirkpatrick. Can Caleb Williams overcome the defense that he has to play with? Michael Penix looks to light up USC in the SoCal breeze. Washington can sure up their spot in the Pac-12 championship with a dominant performance. Artie, your thoughts. These are the two overall, in my opinion, the two best quarterbacks in college football. Now, Caleb Williams, he's not in the Heisman race anymore. He shouldn't be uh, just because of how his team is performing. But his play overall is still where it needs to be. This is going to I mean, the over under 76, obviously take the over. This, I mean, this is going to be absurd. Like the amount of points scored in this game is going to be absolutely absurd. Washington has a better defense than USC, so Washington should win this game because uh, I think overall they're just a better team. But if anybody can pull the upset, it's going to be Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley doing what they do. But Lincoln Riley, to this point, has only been great at one side of the ball, right? He has not been great. He hasn't even been good on the defensive side. I mean, at, all you got to be is good. You don't even have to be great. Just be just be competent. Just be good. And he hasn't even been that. So give me Washington and an absolute – uh, you know, old school shootout, just, just 
offense is just just going tit for tat. But give me Washington. Yeah, I'm taking Washington here. Um, and yeah, I'm taking the over. All right, moving on. LSU at Alabama. Can Alabama put together a full 60 minutes of football? Will Jaden Daniels be the first QB to have back-to-back wins over a Nick Saban Bama team? The SEC West is on the line in this evenly set matchup. Put the nail in the coffin. Give me LSU. Ooh. I mean, look, whoever loses, Danelle's going to be in the coffin. Yeah. These, these teams have to win out if they still want to want a chance. Um, this is low-key my favorite game in the SEC. LSU, Bama is, is low-key my favorite game. The only other one that would top that for me is when Auburn is good. When Auburn is ranked and they're really good, the Iron Bowl just – they just create classics. Um, um, when, when Georgia and Tennessee are really good, those those games are pretty crazy too. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say that as well. Uh, but I mean, I just, I just LSU Alabama is just classic. Um, give me LSU though, and I think LSU wins in in a, in a thriller. Take the under sixteen and a half. I, I think this is going to be under. I just think the defenses show up. Um, I think that JT Daniels is not JT Daniels, but whoever the um, quarterback is, I forget I forget that boy's name. Um, Jane Daniels. He is, the better quarterback, and that's why I'm taking LSU because they have the better quarterback. For sure. All right. Uh, a matchup of two teams that had EC's number in the fourth quarter earlier this year. Marshall and App State, after playing a flat game versus a one-win Southern Miss team, App State welcomes slipping Marshall. Uh, after going 4-0, Marshall's now gone 0-4 in their last four games. App State isn't doing much better. They're also 4-4. Four both with a win over East Carolina University. All right. It's at App. It's at The Rock. Over, over under is 55. App State's a three and a half point favorite. Mm. App State wins and they rush the field again. <laughs> and thank you, Josh. It's Jaden Daniels. I knew it was something Daniels. I started with a J. Jaden Daniels. So thank you for that for LSU. Um, because you took app, I gotta take Marshall. Give me, give me, give me Marshall. I'm, I'm gonna take Marshall at the rock, and uh, there will be no field storming for beating a team that's just supposed to be. Hey, they did that against DCU. Uh, all right. Last but not least, game of the week. <laughs> Tulane comes in to the friendly confines of Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. All goes down on Bagwell Field. Yeah. There isn't much standing in the way of Tulane blowing out the Pirates, but can ECU's offense work some magic? Probably not. And replicate the success that they had at UTSA last week. Tulane will put up points regardless of our defense. What will make the difference for the Pirates? ECU is a 16-and-a-half-point dog at home, over-under 47. I'm going to I'm gonna take the under, and I'm going to say, surprisingly, I I think somehow, someway, East Carolina finds a way to cover. Okay. okay. I, I, I'm thinking this is like a 30 to – 30 to 17 game. Oh, that, that puts us right on. That's right. At, yeah, that's right. That's, that's even. I mean, that, that's Didn't a push. Even. So, all right. How about 30 to. Uh, I'm trying to think of a football score now. That's 30, 30 to 14. Okay. I Look, I, I've got 31, 13. Um, so taking the under, that's putting you right at 44 points. Uh, but I, I do think there's a chance that ECU, because look, we can come up, we got nothing to lose, we're at home. Um, I think there is a good chance that this could be like a 21-13 ball game going into the fourth, right? Giving ECU fans some hope. We're still in the game. We played pretty well on defense. Offense has shown a little bit of glimmers. But then I think in typical ECU fashion, Tulane will put this to bed in the fourth. They'll score like 10 unanswered points. I think it's going to be like a 31-13 finish. For sure. All right. Well, that's all we got, y'all. Check us out. Variety Sports Podcast Network. The Boneyard Podcast on social media. At Boneyard Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. 
wherever you uh, want to follow us, you can find us there. And then also make sure you subscribe. Leave us a five-star review on YouTube. Or I guess you can't leave a review on YouTube. On, on Apple and Spotify. Uh, if you leave us a five-star review, you're a friend of the podcast for life. Anything less than that, you can walk the damn plank. Yes, Artie, let's get out of here. Hey, short and sweet, to the point, relay Pirate Nation. Hey, stay diligent. Season's almost over, but just stay with us. Just, hey, just... basketball starts next week. Hey, and we look We're good. basketball school. We're we basketball good. school. <laughs> but hey, wash your hands, wash your butts. We love y'all, Pirate Nation. Deuce. Peace.